0: It's called the Radio Apotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. I'll keep your eyes on the road you hand up on the wheel. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Joining us on 710 KURV. Now I don't uh to, to kind of give you an idea of what's going on in Washington DC because our Western Valley Congressman uh, Henry Cuellar about a month, maybe two months ago had gotten carjacked in Washington DC. This is supposed to be like, Hey, this is all our, this is where all of our public officials are at. It's supposed to be super safe. And he had lost all of his devices, his, his cell phone, his laptop, his tablet, his sushi dinner. And I'm not, I'm not joking. That actually happened. He had mentioned that. And, uh, obviously the car, but, uh, I was forwarded by a friend somebody who lives in the washington dc area she's a writer in the area she's she's a fellow journalist and her name is sophia hamilton from young voices joining us now at a she's she's a research associate at one of the think tanks up there in washington dc and focusing on many many issues but one of those is going to be this thing so your story in washington dc where you can't even get pepper spray i thought was fascinating so tell us what happened
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, so actually, I found out that it's it's completely legal to have pepper spray in DC. That's one thing that um, our local government hasn't messed up, which is surprising. Um, but it's actually retailers who are refusing to send it to uh, DC citizens. So um, I always carry pepper spray on myself. You know, that's just like one safety precaution that you can take as a woman, as anyone living in a city. Um, I caution everyone that they should be carrying that around. And I went to go order some on Amazon when I had um, lost mine, and they refused to send it to my apartment. So I had to do some digging, and I found out that it's totally legal, but Amazon was not understanding the law, so they were refusing to send it to my address in D.C. and any other address in Washington.
1: Hmm. Can you give us an idea, because we're, not, not that we're in a rural area, but we're in a we're in a highly populated area that's kind of spaced out. Right. So we're not like a we're not like a Houston, we're not like a Dallas, Fort Worth area, but we are a highly populated area. But we've been hearing that the big cities have been having a, a pretty high crime rate. Can you give us an idea of what that looks like from your end?
2: Yeah, so you know, personally I'm not really encountering a lot of crime. There's there's always gun violence and that's in really any big city in America, which is disheartening. But so you have to you have to watch out for gun violence. Um being vigilant with your surroundings. Um, There has been a lot of robberies. I have a lot of friends who have been robbed, um, sometimes at gunpoint. So being careful of who's walking around you, making sure that you're watching your surroundings. Um, There's also been a lot of theft in stores. So sometimes going into your local pharmacies, your CVS, Walgreens, there's going to be things on the shelves that you have to get an associate to go and grab from the back room or it's locked up. So there's a lot of just being a lot more careful than you would be out back in the suburbs or um, in a more rural area. Um, And it can have some inconveniences and also some safety issues.
1: Joining us on 710 KURV from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital is Sophia Hamilton. She's a writer and a research associate at one of the think tanks over there joining us on your 956 drive home. Davis Rankin, your question.
3: It's uh, kind of left field. Um, Are you able to carry what's the law when it comes to carrying a a pistol revolver or semi-automatic is that is that allowed you have to have a permit what's the story
2: so the law has changed in the past couple of years um you are allowed in some circumstances so if it's pretty hard to get access to a gun legally here though a lot of a lot of people have them illegally um and a lot of bad guys have guns illegally in dc which is a big problem here um you can get access to a firearm um to carry but you have to be able to show that there is reasonable there's a reasonable expectation that you're at danger and that's why you need that firearm so um, just me saying oh i'm i'm a young woman in a city i have to go walk outside with my dog at night that's not gonna that's not gonna get me access to a gun really Really
3: hmm. I thought that uh, I thought that it changed. I thought that it shows you we need to keep up on
1: things so talk why, don't about, you, we,
3: why don't you we, do it, get arrested and make and you go and make the case, make be the be the person <laughs> who changes the law.
1: We always hear about D C being a giant gun free zone, but we didn't think that it would be cumbersome to get any other type of self defense yeah. item uh like like as detailed in your story in the washington examiner have you tried uh different forms of uh self-defense over there other than pepper spray
2: so when i wasn't able to order pepper spray i went on amazon um you know i do all of my shopping online as any person does in a city and i was looking for other self-defense weapons that i could have i could get myself a stun gun um, though there's downsides with that, because you have to be close to the person to use it, and that's mm-hmm. just not going to work out for me as a small woman. Um, I could, I don't know, I could buy a real samurai sword. Um, I could buy a <laughs> giant um, knife. So there's all of these other random weapons that I could easily get delivered to my apartment in DC, but I couldn't get a pepper spray keychain. And you know that's that was Amazon's rule. So Amazon, um, I I tried contacting them a lot, and it was actually um, one of our council members that was able to get in contact with um, representatives from Amazon. And Amazon said that they had interpreted DC's code to mean that they needed some sort of license, that their retailers needed licenses to sell pepper spray. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, because I read through the code many, many times, and there's really nothing to that effect in there. So they just misinterpreted this rule, but hopefully that will be fixed.
1: They don't have any checkpoints over there where you can just you know, hop over to the next state, grab it, and then kind of smuggle yeah. it in? You just drive in. So
2: that's actually how I got my pepper spray, is I sent it to a friend that lives in Arlington, Virginia, a quick 10-minute drive across the border, and they came and brought it to me. And that's what I've done for a lot of friends that have needed it. I just send it to my friend's address, and they bring it in, and I... It kind of feels like I'm smuggling. It feels like I'm doing something wrong, but it's completely legal.
1: Yes. How dare you defend yourself? I, yes.
3: I, if, you, if you will buy, if you will buy a samurai sword and show us proof of purchase, we will contribute fifty bucks to the price of that samurai sword. And then we want a picture of you walking down the street
1: with the samurai sword. I, I will mention. I'm pretty oh, sure it's legal that. to have that in Texas.
0: Oh great! <laughs> I'm
1: pretty. I'm pretty sure you can carry pretty much any blade that you want in uh, in Texas, but uh, I think you're right. Any any uh, closing notes that you'd like to mention, and and uh, where can we find more um, stories written by you, Miss Sophia?
2: Yeah, so you know, I just have to thank um, our council member Christina Henderson. She's the one that was able to pass this legislation that ensures that retailers know that it is legal to sign the pepper spray to dc citizens dc addresses um so i'm really happy that that's gone forward and we'll see some change there but you can follow me on twitter at sophie hamilton
1: okay thanks a lot sophia we appreciate it very very much that's sophia hamilton you can check out her article at the washington examinator titled why won't retailers mail pepper spray to residents of crime-ridden dc you're listening to news talk 710 KURV. this is your 956 drive home
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Joining us now on 710 KURV, we got a lot going on around the Rio Grande Valley. Our friends from Habitat for Humanity have their fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope coming up. Tricia Watts joining us now. So tell us a little bit about Uh, Habitat for Humanity.
4: Sure, Zach. Thank you all for having me on today. Love spreading the word about Habitat for Humanity. So a little bit about Habitat, what we do in our area is, uh, first of all, we cover the entire Rio Grande Valley. So all four counties, uh, what we do is we try to help families in need get into a safe, decent and affordable home that they can call their own. So most of these families are all at 60% or below the average median income for our area. So they wouldn't normally qualify for traditional type of mortgage. Uh, But with our assistance, they're able to finance directly through us at a 0% interest. And they are also required to put in 300 hours of sweat equity. So they actually help build their own homes as well.
1: And, uh, coming up is the fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope, and so four years in the row, uh, in a row, you've been doing this. Tell us about it.
4: We have. So this is our big annual fundraiser, and we came up with it back in May of twenty twenty. So right at the peak of COVID, uh, we wanted to do something that still allowed people to work on a project, but not necessarily have to do it outside of their circles. So what we did is we decided to go ahead and alert our sponsors, alert some of our Habitat families, and then other nonprofits as well, because they're very important partners for us in the community. And what they do is we provide them with a small wooden home and they decorate, they get creative. Um, they can add, they can even add a second floor if they'd like as long as it's uh, 12 by 12 by 12 in size. No bigger than that, because we wanna make sure that we have room for everybody who is participating. Our Habitat families absolutely love it. It's a way for them to be able to give back as well. And what we do with these beautiful homes is we have them on exhibit at North Park Lexus uh, from, for about a month from October all the way to the end of November. The last day in November will be on Giving Tuesday. That's the last day that they'll be able to go by. Anyone can go by and look at the exhibit of homes. And our online auction for those homes actually starts tomorrow. So it's from November 14th through November 29th that they'll be able to bid on these beautiful homes. And all of the funding that we receive from the bids is to help us continue our mission in the Rio Grande Valley
1: can you give us oh uh we're, we're speaking with tricia watts from habitat for humanity rio grande valley uh, joining us on 710 KURV. this is the fourth annual mighty homes of hope can you give us an example of uh some of the homes that people have created so far what are some of your favorites
4: yes oh, oh, oh. see i can't really pick a favorite but i can tell you that we've got a beautiful assortment of homes so uh, we have some that are halloween themed some that are like harvest themed for the fall. We have several Christmas ones as well. Uh, we have a beautiful Dia de los Muertos and even has a little mini ofrenda uh, included on there. And uh, we have some that actually, so we've had families focus on things like autism to help, you know, bring more awareness to that as well. Uh, we have another home that's made up completely of Legos. So that that's a, good one for people to bid on i'm sure that they'll they'll be wanting to go ahead and uh try to get that one and make it their own
1: that is so uh, neat so then, I even made one out of lego <laughs> so any 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 other unique compositions for some of these little houses
4: yeah absolutely so for whoever is familiar with the lamb's loom they actually have a bunch of knitted work and they created a home They decorated it with that. They even um, knitted little paintings inside of the home. It's just absolutely Mm. gorgeous. People need to go online and see this or go to the exhibit and and look at it for themselves. Um, And they can look at all of these by just visiting our website. If they're not able to get out to the Lexus dealership, they can actually go to habitatrgv.org. Um, and just click on our photo carousel that has Mighty Homes of Hope, and you'll be able to go in there and see all those homes. We also have a QR code that we have up on our website and that we'll have up on social media so that people can go, can go ahead and just scan that and be able to view all the homes in the auction.
1: Uh, Davis Rankin, uh, question for Tricia Watts with Habitat for Humanity Rio Grande Valley and their fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope. Do you guys
3: uh, and I'll admit this is a bit of a left field question, do you guys have any idea how many homes uh, are substandard such that in the valley such that they could use they could put to good use what Habitat offers?
4: So people living in uh, substandard housings, I do not have an exact number on that. Um, Yeah, I I know that it's a huge percentage. Unfortunately, it's it's overwhelming. It's, it's more than even our organization can help with on its own.
1: But you guys do do a lot of uh, life-changing work for the Rio Grande Valley. We do thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And what, what, uh, what do you have to do to uh, apply for that?
4: So once again, they can visit our website. Um, they can go under Programs. There's a preschool screening questionnaire that they can fill out. Uh, Once that's completed, if we're able to move them on to the application process, then they will be contacted um, and we'll begin from there. And then at the end of it, uh, once we are in the middle of building a home and we need to choose a family, they go through a Family Selection Committee and after the Family Selection Committee, then the final decision is anonymously made by our Board of Directors
1: what was the it was a term with the word sweat in it i forgot what i forgot what it was sweat equity yeah no absolutely
4: (laughs) sweat equity yes so the family actually goes out and um they they help with the labor for the home It could be them and their children, if their children are of age. Uh, If not, if they have siblings or aunts and uncles who want to contribute their time as well and donate those hours to help the family accumulate those 300, then that can absolutely be done as well. We've had companies go out and assist with the building of the homes, and they donate the hours that they put in to the family as well.
3: I I have two questions. What what constitutes a substandard home? Is it different? From city to city, or do you all pay attention to city codes, or is it just um, uh, just your your definition?
4: It's really more about the situation for the family. I mean, you could have a situation where there is, you know, a husband and a wife and two children yeah. or more, and then they're living with five other people in a two bedroom apartment, or they're paying rent, and the building itself isn't even up to code. Some people are living in, in, you know, mobile homes that need a lot of work. There are other people who need ADA compliance. So we help with rehabilitations as well for elderly people, um, especially elderly disabled individuals. We help with veterans as well. We just finished up a project, and we're about to start another one at the very beginning of the year.
3: What about uh, dirt floors? Go ahead. Do you see many dirt dirt floors? floors? Yeah.
4: Um, we do, unfortunately, have a lot of that um, in the valley areas. You know, the, the colonias are yeah. devastatingly filled with homes like that. So, okay. yes, absolutely. The, the one major requirement, though, for these families who are applying is that they do need to be employed. They need to be able to Ooh. afford the mortgage because they still will have to pay a mortgage, it's just minimal in comparison to what they would have to pay with a traditional one.
1: Tricia Watts is with Habitat for Humanity Rio Grande Valley, joining us on News Talk Seven Hundred and Ten KURV. And uh, I wanna I wanna bring more awareness about the upcoming event, uh, f- the fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope. Uh, let's do a, a quick who, what, when, where, why. This is such a neat uh, a neat uh, uh, event to join up with. So how do we how can we get involved in it?
4: Thank you so much. So yeah, so at this point, because this is about, mm, about a three-month <laughs> event, we actually kicked it off back in August, started uh, letting the community know that if they wanted to participate, they could come in as sponsors, um, they could actually register as individual participants, uh, or if they were Habitat family who was inter- interested in participating in a nonprofit, then of course they're able to participate at no cost. Um, however, that the deadline to participate in that specific area as far as being able to get a home and decorate it uh, ended back in mid-October. But what they can do now to help is they can actually visit our online auction and bid on these beautiful little homes. Because again, all that funding goes to helping us try to keep our mission going in the Valley area. And the cost of homes has doubled since COVID. Doubled? Yes, Doubled? doubled. Just about we used to we used to average about sixty five to seventy thousand per home. It's a three bedroom, two baths, modest home, but it's got everything that they need. Uh, and now we're averaging about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty per
3: home.
1: Yikes! Yikes! Well, uh, Trisha, yeah. that's our that's our time here today. I want to invite everybody to uh, sign up for the fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope. And uh, you can go to HabitatRGV.org and go under the events uh, section of their website. It's it's right there. It's big letters, Mighty Homes of Hope. It's even from the front page of the of the website. Tricia Watts is with Habitat for Humanity Rio Grande Valley for the fourth annual Mighty Homes of Hope. Joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com.
4: I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voice to turn. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo.
3: Sick of the talking heads.
0: I agree with you. Talk,
3: talk, talk, talk,
0: talk. Hello. 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 Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No.
2: Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who
4: is she the judge? To stand up
0: to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Joining us now on 710 KURV from Hidalgo County Irrigation District number two is uh, Sunny Inojosa. And the big questions on everybody's mind, what is the status of our drought conditions right now, and have they been affected if if any by the bit of moisture that we've had the past few days uh sunny uh where where would you like to start?
5: Well, first of all, good afternoon and thank you for the opportunity sure. uh The recent rain we had you know over the weekend has basically shut down our irrigation uh for right now uh it it it's been good We We've had anywhere from two and a half to two point eight inches. Throughout our irrigation district, and you know, we, we hope that everyone else got at least this much, because like I said, it, it did shut us down for our irrigation deliveries. So that's a positive as far as the reservoir conditions. You know, the the last data we have is uh, November fourth of the week ending, and uh, the U.S. of course continues to drop, but we're at twenty point nine four percent. Once again, just a little over 700,000 acre feet. We won't see the results of, you know, I don't think there was a whole lot of runoff into the reservoirs, but what this local rain does, it keeps us from having to request water to be released. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we find out what kind of impact it had. You know, if anything, you know, we can just hold steady for a little bit. Uh, that That would be great instead of continuing to drop.
1: So to clarify, uh, you said 20.9 and not 29, right?
5: That's correct. 20, 20.9%.
1: Hmm. Okay, I, w- I was hopeful there for a second, but um, never mind. Uh, Davis Rankin, no, your that, question. Go yeah, yeah. th-
3: That's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I ask you about um, getting Mexico to honor its treaty, I think we're talking about something that very, very few people know anything about. And then the inner workings of it, maybe you know, but um, I don't see any, do you have any hope that uh, things will ever work smoothly and they'll release water, not at the end of the five years, that they'll do what we think they should do? Is there any reason to believe that that's ever going to happen?
5: No. So there's no reason to believe that will happen. unfortunately our state department sides with that that interpretation you just mentioned that mexico can wait until the fifth year of a five year cycle to deliver what is owed and what we all realize is that there's no way mexico can deliver the volume that is owed you know in the next two years without a tropical system helping them
3: so oh, so we're on year 3 then
5: in, in we're yeah october 25th was the end of year three we have two years left uh the last two times we've been in this this level of water supply uh we have some kind of occurrence some event that that brings us back up to you know a comfortable mm-hmm. not not ample but comfortable position where we might get to 35 you know 40 percent we didn't get that this year so we're looking at to, into going to 2024 with with you know 700,000 acre feet in storage and 300 acre feet 300,000 acre feet of that is reserves for municipal and operational. So in reality, agriculture only has 400,000 acre feet going in, and we normally use you know about 1.1 million acre feet. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a huge, tremendous impact, uh, continued impact into agriculture because we we've been We've had several districts that that uh, you know ceased delivering irrigation water uh, about a month ago, three here in the Rio Grande Valley and, and the one in in the, in the Eagle Pass area. So uh, there's nothing hopeful other than maybe wet weather uh, the rest of uh, mm-hmm. remaining fall and and hopefully continues into winter.
1: Our guest on 710 Key URV is Sunny Enosha from. Hidalgo County Irrigation District number two. Davis Rankin, go ahead.
3: Well, uh, I'm going to say, uh, Sonny, that w- this is something we can't, I mean, you can't put up with this. If, you can't do long term planning if you don't know when you're going to have water to water your crops. We're not even talking about people getting drinking water. So we, we can't put up with it, but we don't have any choice to put up with it. Do you, they um, yeah. were to call you and argument. say, what, w- what do we do? What do we do? What would you do? If you were God, what would you do? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I say God. I would right, if you were in charge.
5: <laughs> Demolish some dams in Mexico.
3: You know, when the treaty was
5: signed in '44, there was three, three, res, three dams, reservoirs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since the treaty was signed, Mexico has constructed eight additional. So in the absence of those eight additional, we probably would never have a shortage here in the Rio Grande Valley that water, any rainfall would flow into the Rio Grande. But Mexico is capturing that water, storing mm-hmm. it, and utilizing it to expand their their irrigation, their agriculture, and starving the U.S. out.
3: Uh, I read somewhere, maybe it was a tweet, said that the, the some of the companies using that water that Mexico's not letting flow to the Rio Grande River for us to use, are American companies who are farming in Mexico. Do you know anything about that? that
5: that's, yeah, that's true. Yes, we do have uh, major companies in, in, in Mexico that are farming that are U.S.-based. That, that, that's just a fact.
3: Do you have anything hopeful <laughs> to say uh, except uh,
5: so, praying for you know, more rain? This week, this week, there's a binational symposium uh, on the Rio Grande, it's here in McAllen. Uh, it's the first that, that I ever recall uh, having here in the Valley. Uh, both countries will be uh, attendees. Um, I will be involved in, in a panel discussion on Wednesday. It, it's not anything that's going to bring us any any relief. It's just be an exchange of ideas, I believe. And there's supposed to be a new minute to the treaty uh, executed before the end of the year. We will not know what's in that minute until after it gets executed by both countries. But hopefully it provides, you know, some incentive. Uh, once again, as I tell Seth you know, in the morning, is, is that the treaty has no teeth. Uh, there's no enforcement. Yeah. All we can do is plead with Mexico to release water to the United States. You know, uh, we can only store 3.3 3 million acre feet in the international reservoirs. I say we, the United States. And we use one point one million acre feet per year, so we we only have a three year supply, so there's no way we can we can survive on a five year cycle uh the way it's currently interpreted you know of a we' we're, we're supposed to get three hundred and fifty thousand acre feet per year uh, so at the end of five years we get one point seven five million but right now our federal government Government is leaning towards Mexico's interpretation where they can basically go zero, 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 zero for four years. Jeez. And on that last year, deliver the 1.75, which they physically can't do without some kind of rain event, significant yeah. rain event. Because the 1.75 is only a third. and That's what we we're entitled to, one third of the flows that reach the river. So there has to be you know, Mexico's two-thirds, so you're talking about 5.25 million acre-feet, and they don't even have that much storage capacity in their reservoirs, so there's absolutely no way that Mexico can deliver, so they're counting on Mother Nature once again, and if it doesn't happen in the next two years, then they can roll that deficit over into the next five-year cycle, Ah. and that's probably what they're counting on. Good Lord.
1: Well, I'm about to take an army be, of straws from their part of the reservoir and then and, and siphon it over. I don't know if I can do that legally, but uh, <laughs> I've got a plan in the works, Sonny. Sonny, thanks a lot Thank for, for coming awesome. by and, and, and telling us about it. Really do appreciate it. That's uh, Sonny Inahosa from Hidalgo County Irrigation No. 2, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Harvey Kronberg with the Quorum Report. We're in the Grand Slam of special sessions right now. Number four, (laughs) record setting. And... We've got a school choice bill and an immigration bill to talk about, plus any other drama, uh, Harvey, that's going on up in Austin. <laughs> What's been catching your ear? Yeah. Uh,
6: the only drama is short tempers and the, the uh, over the prospect of uh, the governor having them here uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday uh, uh, negotiating bills that aren't, well, at least one of the bills aren't going to are not going to go anywhere. So uh um, and uh, the the lieutenant governor has been um, uh, sick and has not been here, so the the uh, uh, decibel level uh, in the civil war between the speaker and the lieutenant governor has calmed down a little bit. But uh, we know it's going somebody's gonna pull the pin on the grenade here soon. So uh,
1: <laughs> oh, be it's, back so it's and bubbling on huh? the pressure cooker.
6: There, <laughs> uh, yeah. Whatever you do, don't un- uh, unlock the lid before the pressure's gone. <laughs> You'll get scalded. <laughs> Collateral damage, so. So uh, um,
1: what, what what's no, happening? It, what happened it, today, for the most part? Uh,
6: well, the Senate uh, convened and adjourned in about 15 minutes. Um, again, with the Lieutenant Governor not in the chair, the House is taking up the two amendment, the uh, two uh, immigration bills today. Um, that um, uh, they passed so late uh, last time that uh, the Senate couldn't respond to them. Um, and, um, the, I, I will say that some of the most egregious problems, um, in the last iteration, uh, have been fixed in this bill, but it's still probably unconstitutional. So we're, I think that's part of what's, um, uh, this is the one where a law enforcement officer can think, presume that somebody is here, uh, illegally and, uh, uh, send them back, um, uh, without any kind of due process, um. Uh, or uh, a verification, um, it's a uh, it's probably unconstitutional. So this is really just a debating exercise. At least that's the way it looks at the moment. Um, but um, it's obviously one that invokes a lot of passion, uh, um, certainly among the border Democrats and uh, or the South Texas Democrats. Um, uh, but it it will pass, and it's uh, pretty much in sync with the. Uh, the Senate version, so that one will likely be on the governor's desk here soon. The vouchers, um, the voucher bill is um, DOA. Uh, We're going to go through some melodrama, but the Senate has passed uh, two different bills, one's for financing and one is for vouchers. The House rolled them into one bill, which I've never actually seen before. Uh, The House will strip out vouchers. Uh, The the bill as filed has vouchers in it. There will be an amendment on Friday to... uh, eliminate the voucher portion the rest of it's a pretty good bill it actually has a teacher pay raise and uh, more appropriate funding for schools um, and then they'll send it over to the senate and after that it's kind of no man's land we have no idea how you reconcile the senate that has two bills versus the house that has one bill and um, um uh the 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 Republic, the rural republicans that oppose vouchers are still as locked down as they were before um, but at least this time, the pro-voucher Republicans will have an opportunity to go on the record so that um, they're not going to be primary uh, based <laughs> on opposition to uh, two vouchers.
1: <laughs> that was, that was um, exactly so what I was going to ask right now, theater. Harvey. Uh, Harvey Kronberg from the Quorum Report up in Austin joining us on 710-KURB. That's exactly what my next question was going to be. How, how were they responding to being primary? Because I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a, a presidential year and... Uh, I know it's going to be a mess with Donald Trump campaigning for people. I know he's going to come down to Texas. He's going to be like, okay, this, this person's cool, that person's not cool. We should fire that guy, fire that guy, fire all of them. And it just – Well, remember like, uh,
6: two years ago, the um, the uh, uh, former president uh, uh, trashed uh, Speaker Phelan. And uh, uh, House races are very much local uh, uh, conversations. And most of the rural Republicans know their their constituencies pretty well, um, uh, and there's going to be the, a, a lot of the money that's going to be thrown at them is going to be from this group that uh, defends Texas Liberty, that I'm sure you've talked about, which um, uh, consorting with uh, Nazi po- or white supremacist podcasters and. So it's pretty much a mess, um, uh, but um, uh, we're, we're early in the filing process right now. I think there's probably eight or nine challengers, um, including three, uh, three people that are gonna challenge the speaker in his district. Um, but um, at the moment, it doesn't feel like they've got the wind at their back. The, these, these folks are known by their communities and um, uh, the, um, uh, the... Well, let me just put it, I'll give you this frame. Uh, Two years ago, there were 20 Republicans that were primaried that were on the speaker's team. The speaker raised money, helped him out, and he won 19 of the 20 races. So um, uh, the the likelihood of the primary changing the balance of power in the House is not very high. Uh, I think they actually have more to worry about in the general election because... Conventional wisdom is um, uh, uh, midterms. Uh, you have relatively low turnout, and that helps Republicans. Um, in general elections, you have higher turnout. And while Democrats may not be able to win a statewide race, and there are no statewide races in a presidential year, uh, other than other than the Senate, uh, they um, uh, there's enough enough thin. Well, let me back up a second. When they drew, did redistricting, they reached for 87 House seats, uh, 87 Republican House seats. Um, 16 of those House seats that they drew are pretty thin as far as Republican versus Democrat goes. Um, the, uh, they're they're called lean Republican seats, and they are switchable. And this hmm. is going to be a pretty polarizing election. Well, all elections are polarizing. But I think that, um, that uh, Democrats have a chance to make uh, some pretty substantial gains in the Texas House based on the performance uh, of uh, all the theatrics that have come out of both the Texas legislature and the U.S. House of Representatives. <laughs>
1: To, to be fair, in in the entire course of human history, I don't think there was ever an election that brought everybody together. Ooh. But uh, Harvey Kronberg up in Austin, Davis <laughs> yeah, Franklin, yeah. go ahead.
6: You caught me on that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Davis, uh,
3: yes, hey, Harvey, uh, this is Davis Franklin. Uh, everybody
6: Rankin. go back to their corners.
3: Yes. Uh, I thought I read that, well, uh, public school systems, districts have to b- obey, obey a certain set of laws. Uh, and um, Charter schools have to obey some of them, but not all of them. They have some – some um, they get some stuff that uh, – they can keep some stuff secret that uh, public schools, other public schools do not have to. My understanding is that – or I thought I read – this is taking a long way because I'm trying to hurry – that the vouchers would be useful in religious schools, but they would not have to be – uh, as open or held to the same standard as Texas public schools. And the religious schools apparently are objecting to that, or someone's objecting to it on their behalf. What do you... Well, the, uh, that actually is the
6: poison pill. That's the poison pill in the legislation. The Senate wants to just give the money away, no strings attached. Give your tax dollars away to private schools. So uh, theory, theoretically, um, uh, uh, a Sharia law school could... Um,
3: could qualify theoretically <laughs> you know uh, how to go right to the heart of it don't you Harvey? <laughs> but you're <laughs> right that, that they, they would have the same well if you're not uh, going to same... hold if you're not going to hold the
6: recipients of tax dollars accountable then you know yes. i might people have an objection for tax dollars being used to, for abortions other people have um, objections for their yeah. tax dollars being used to uh, subsidize religious schools
3: i, I, um, I laugh but, they're, they're but i agree with you totally totally so yes
6: um and it's the same but nobody ever expects a po- the political process to be logical um but in uh, uh a couple of weeks ago the uh Illinois uh the state of Illinois had uh years ago had passed a voucher bill and they just let it uh, it needed to be reauthorized and they didn't um they didn't reauthorize it so it's a, actually the first rollback of vouchers in the country and uh, it was yeah. actually that liberal bastion of uh, politics, uh, Forbes Magazine, that wrote the story uh, about some of the um, some of the uh, religious schools. Uh, for instance, one of the uh, uh, Jewish schools uh, reserves the right to expel any student whose family listens to secular music. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the Christian schools will <laughs> not ar- enroll a, par- uh, a parent. Will not enroll a child with a parent at home. Um, excuse me, a child with a single parent at home. And on it goes. Um, I read they're that They're not in be held accountable Report.
1: for our tax dollars.
6: Yes, there you go. <laughs> I
1: read. QuorumReport.com. Um, but really, no secular uh, music? Do they know how much that uh, encompasses? That's a... That's a uh, oh, yeah.
6: It's uh, But, you know, it, it's an orthodox uh, Jewish school. Um, so... Uh, and You know, and if you're going to have a religious school, a religious-oriented school, um, you know, it's... it's um, yeah it's essentially there to um, uh, teach their cultural point of view. And uh, yeah. um, So uh, if if you're, I think that's the poison pill in the bill. Um, Yeah, okay. Besides the fact that uh, you're diverting public money from public schools, you're also using tax dollars uh, unaccountably uh, to promote or subsidize religious schools.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was the first one to say that they should use this opportunity to just you know reform education across the board because we're like what 39th or 37th or something like that yep nationally so and. they should just overhaul the whole thing and then they can set up at least a foundation to get something like this through and work out the bugs that way well, so I'm just ran uh, through the, a fourth session here but
6: yeah well the governor this is all op, uh, this is all about optics, and the Governor thinks it's going to give him some kind of political leverage going into the primaries. He's not been very successful in dislodging house mem- Republican House members. The house doesn't trust him because he routinely breaks his word to House Republicans or i mean put that more precisely House Republicans that have been here for more than two sessions. I do not trust him because his history is littered with everything from promising to help them during their primaries if they would vote with him on something to got this last session this very last session he actually vetoed bills that he asked legislators to carry for him he, he vetoed his own bills because they were anti-voucher members um wow. so it's Ooh. it's yeah. it, I mean, we're playing for a national stage i guess uh although nobody believes that that's a, there's a path uh, nobody other than yeah. the governor thinks there's a path anywhere perhaps other than maybe a vice presidential or a Supreme Court nomination or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but hey. um, uh, it's um, yeah. it's a Gordian knot and there's uh, no e- easy resolution yeah. and you're right, reforming the schools would serve the entire public of Texas, not the, uh, remember we've got five million students and uh, the program as being proposed would only be available to somewhere between Thirty to fifty thousand students at most, and uh, um, and I can guarantee you that most of your your poor folks with limited internet access uh, would not even be aware that there was an opportunity to apply for the scholarships.
1: Well, Harvey, thanks a lot. It's been Thank a pleasure you. as usual. We've run out of time. That's Harvey Kronberg with the Chrome Report up in Austin, joining us on News Talk Seven Ten KURV.
0: You're listening to an Encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.